Brandykins, and welcome to another episode of the Terrific Talk Podcast. The horror podcast that aims to answer the question, why horror, and why do we love horror so much? Tonight's guest will be Luke Barnett, who is the writer and producer of the 2016 horror film Fear, Inc. He will be on in a few minutes to discuss the intersection between horror and comedy and I am very excited to be talking with him tonight. But first, I'm going to launch into a segment called Brandy Recommends. This is where I recommend uh, any horror something, whether it's a horror movie, a horror book, a horror YouTuber, etc., etc., and talk about why I love them so much. So without further ado, here is Brandy Recommends. And for today's or tonight's, recommends, February 4th would have been the 79th birthday of George Romero, a.k.a. the godfather of zombies. As you know, he passed away in July of 2017, and the horror world has been all the lesser for his loss. And if it wasn't for George Romero, we wouldn't have... The zombies as we know them today. So for Brandy Recommends for this week's episode, I recommend that you watch any of George Romero's zombie films. Even the remake of Dawn of the Dead, the one directed by Zack Snyder. I know you tend to forget that Zack Snyder is the one who directed that, but it actually is a really worthy remake. So I recommend that you watch any of the George Romero zombie films in honor of George, what would have been George Romero's 79th birthday. I love them because George Romero comments on issues in society through his zombie films. For instance, Nine Living Dead tackles the issue of racism. Dawn of the Dead tackles the issue and comments on consumerism. And Land of the Dead, for instance, comments on the issue of classism. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the interview portion of Terrific Talk. And with me tonight, I have um, somebody by the name of Luke Barnett who is the writer and producer of the 2016 horror comedy, Fear, Inc. So welcome, Luke. How are you? So much for having me. I'm great. I'm great. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on tonight and talk with you. Yeah, about two of your favorite things you said, horror and comedy. Yeah. Yeah. I love them both. Yeah. So we're going to get into that definitely like later on in the podcast. But first, I'm going to let you take over for a little bit. So I'm okay. going to let you introduce yourself, um, talk a little bit about who you are um, and what you do uh, with writing, producing, uh, what you do with horror and comedy and all that stuff. So go. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, like Brandy said, my name is Luke Barnett. Um I'm from DC originally. Uh, I now live in LA, where I've lived for a pretty long time. Um, my first kind of foray into writing and producing was um, working with uh, a website, or which is not 
as much of a thing anymore called Funny or Die, which Will Ferrell um, was like his comedy website. Um, and so with Funny or Die, I did a lot of um, topical comedy, um, a lot of just different things that were riffing on pop culture or current TV shows and whatnot. And um, my partner, who I later went into business with, um, we uh, developed a really great relationship where I would write and he would direct and we would both produce and we both kind of had different um, skill sets when it comes to what it takes to produce something. So we worked really well together. Um, and we kind of became known for doing stuff for Funny or Die that looked like it was shot for a lot more than it was shot for. So we would be the guys that they would kind of call and say, we want to do a Game of Thrones Halloween video. It needs to look like Westeros. We've got $2,000. Um, so that was kind of our thing. Um, and we did a lot with Funny or Die videos. We did a series that was like their Walking Dead recap series for them. Um, and I think what that did was really kind of cut our teeth um, in making kind of lower budget, high quality stuff. And so when we went to go make our first feature, which was Fear Inc., um, we kind of were able to use a lot of what we learned doing it with Funny or Die on the movie. Um, <clears throat> so that's kind of how like that came about. We could talk about how Fear Inc. got made, stuff like that, you know, whenever. But kind of my background is Funny or Die, and I'm also just a really big fan of, of horror. Um, I grew up, you know, on like Scream, and it's funny because yesterday they just showed the the first teasers for uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which was like, I have such a vivid memory of when I, when those came out, I was probably nine, I'm 35. And so when they came out, I was probably nine. And I have a vivid memory of, I don't know if when you grew up, if they had um, book fairs, mm -hmm. um, they had these book fairs come. And I remember the teachers or whoever ran them didn't do a great job of like um, scanning all the books. And so I remember the first year those books came out, we all bought them and they were so scary at the time. Like the, the drawings with the art was just so great and so horrifying. And then I remember us like passing them around to people without anyone like catching on to what it was. So I'm very, very excited for that. But you know, I, I love Scream and I love the movies like that. And when we went to go do our first movie, we kind of felt like at the time, a lot of really good movies were coming out that were, were really good, but were more, they didn't feel like the fun horror movies that we kind of grew up on. Like I really genuinely loved it. Like I really appreciated and loved like The Witch and It Follows and some really great movies, but I got a little bit like I just kind of missed the fun of Scream and I know what you did last summer and these kind of movies that you would go see in a theater and it would make everybody jump and it was just funny and fun. And so that's kind of with our background being comedy, how we wanted to approach our first feature. Oh, I, I can't, I can't believe like already that it's been like almost three years since that movie came out. Time flies, doesn't it? Insane. Yeah. And I and it recently just came into my purview because of one of my Twitter followers. They're like, "Oh my God, I love Fear Inc." I was like, "Okay, then I'll have to watch that." Interesting, oh, con cool. interesting concept about like a a corporation that you can hire to like give you, <laughs> <laughs> sure. give, yeah, give you like a really like 
uh, scary horror experience. So, yeah, I really just want to say that it was a really cool, funny concept. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. Now, let's get into... Okay, you talked a little bit about your earlier horror experiences, and you talked a little bit about how you like uh, fun horror, but what is it about horror that you absolutely love? I... um. I think that like, well, first off on a, on a surface level, I just think horror is really fun. Like, I think it's fun to be scared. I think there's a reason that haunted houses and things like that are so popular around Halloween. And there's, you know, all the, here we have so many things like Universal Studios Horror Nights and kind of different amusement park versions of it. I think the reason that all of those things are so popular is because people very much enjoy this feeling of being in danger and unsafe, knowing in the back of their head that at the end of the thing, the lights are going to come up or you're going to leave the haunted house or whatever. I think that we really, a lot of people really like that feeling. I also, um, so I, I just think horror is fun. Like I think it's fun to be, uh, to feel scared and uncomfortable knowing that like it might, it, it, you're going to be safe at the end of the day. I, I am personally like, I know that people think that they're cheap, but like I love jump scares. Like if you can get me on a jump scare, I, I have a great time. Like I think it's hilarious. Um, so I've always just enjoyed that. I also think horror has oh, another thing I really liked about horror, and this is a lot to do with the horror community as much as it is the movies. But it's always been a really good outlet for people that haven't felt like they were a part of whatever the, the whatever you want to call it the popular crowd or the mainstream or whatever it is like it's 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 always felt like it's a group of essentially people who may have felt like outcasts at one point but then they've got this community and i've always like really appreciated that we had one of the actresses that we've worked with a couple different times she's infuriating for a small role is uh naomi grossman from american horror story she played pepper in american horror story um and it was i remember when we went to comic-con for fear inc it was pretty wild because the minute we walked on the convention floor, like not even for our panel or anything, we were just gonna walk, just walking in to like hang out and walk around Comic Con. There was like six people coming up to her in like wheelchairs and stuff who basically were like thanking her for her role in that. And like, I think that horror, I don't know, it's just there's something about that community that I, I also just kind of gravitated towards. Uh, the horror community has always been a place where I, too, where I feel like that I on because I've met like some of the most awesome people just you know and then even just too like like yourself like we only like kind of like officially met like a couple weeks ago through text and it's just like being able to just talk with people just about horror is like gets me really excited as you can probably yeah. tell <laughs> yeah, that's awesome yeah and I, just, I also think that in general though horror and what, this is something that we also it's really subtle in fear ink in terms of how we we didn't make like this, we didn't want to like push this too much, but I find horror to be very interesting because I think that it's also a very Western kind of concept. Like we are, all, most of us lead pretty safe lives. You know, you have a roof over your head, you've got, you know, you're pretty safe. And so this, we seek out this feeling of unsafety, knowing that we really are safe. I don't think that somebody in 
Syria or something is, you know, would call Fear Inc. and request the drone experience. You know what I mean? Like, it's a very, and I find that interesting. Like, and I, and don't get me wrong, I, I love horror, but I, we kind of, in Fear Inc., wanted to kind of touch on this idea of society's kind of obsession with horror. Like, just the idea that it is a, a billion dollar industry and, and, why ask questions about why do I like horror? Why does Joe in the movie like horror? Why is he, you know, I don't know. Yeah, and that character is a bit case hardened a little bit, so that's why he requested that particular experience. So, do you find yourself a little bit case hardened? Do you find yourself harder to scare, or is it pretty easy to scare? I know how you mentioned how if people could get you on a jump scare, then that movie's done. Its job. Yeah, I'm pretty easy. I'm pretty <laughs> easy. You can scare me pretty easily, uh, and I like that. I have it makes horror movies fun for me. Um, yeah, I'm pretty easy. I'm a pretty easy scare. <laughs> yeah, me too. Even by, like by things that are not horror. Because I could get like really focused, and then someone will come behind me, and go Brady, and I'm like, ah! <laughs> yeah, I had a really good time watching. Um, what was the Netflix show recently? The um, The Haunting of Hill House. I still uh, have yet to see that. <laughs> it's pretty good. I liked it, but one of the things that's interesting is that it's a very slow burn. So they they wait a long time until there's an actual kind of big, big jump or big scare. And I, my wife goes to bed pretty early. And so I would watch the, she doesn't like horror. And so I, I would watch the show late with like my little dog. And I remember this one episode, you know, I kind of almost forgotten that I was in a horror show because so much time had passed before I got like really scared. And then all of a sudden, I don't want to spoil anything, but this girl basically like turns over in bed and there's something like right behind her and it made me jump so bad that like my little dog who was like asleep on the couch just like pop popped up real fast <laughs> you, you even scared your dog get going yeah exactly <laughs> i yeah i still have yet to see that show it's just i've got that it's pretty solid. good good all right, so, all right, now let's kind of like go back around to your earlier, earliest experience with horror. You talked about um, scary stories to tell in the dark. Yes, I remember um, those stories kept me up late at night, especially the drawings. They were creepy as hell. <laughs> but do you remember like an early horror experience even like beyond that? Because the commonality that I've noticed is that our introductions to horror are usually pretty early. <laughs> yeah. I um I think I was maybe a little later than some people that are like in the horror world or the horror industry. Like I wasn't somebody that's that like saw or loved, you know, like Friday the Thirteenth or something when they were like six or seven years old. Um, I, I saw a couple of the classics when I was younger, you know, like Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff. But um, Scream was definitely the first time that I went and saw something in a theater that was horror and felt like, oh my God, I love that. Um, and so I think that got me interested in horror and then I went back and watched all the classics. Um, but I think Scream, and I was probably like, Scream would have come out in probably 96 maybe, and I would have been like, that would have been like 13. Um, so that was kind of my first time like falling in love with horror. And then I went back and watched a lot of the older stuff. All right. So what was it about Scream that just made you be like, whoa? Besides the fact that is, I, I love that movie. It's a fun movie. I've seen it more times than I care to count. And I've got like all the dialogue memorized. <sighs> yeah, I think everybody does. Yeah. Uh, I think that 
what I loved about Scream, and I still love about Scream, and it's definitely something that we really were adamant about trying to like make with Fear Inc. was when Scream is scary, it's really scary, and when Scream is funny, it's really funny. And I think that the best horror movies, or at least my favorite horror movies, they need those moments of levity so that you can be scared again. If something is just kind of one note tense or scary or creepy for 90 minutes, I, I kind of lose the scare or I get bored or whatnot. Scream did such a good job of breaking that up so that you almost are like laughing and forgetting that you're in a horror movie and then bang, all of a sudden it's scary again. And I think that that makes for much more of a roller coaster of a movie. All right. Right. That's definitely fair. Um, people, some people tend to find um, they either really like horror and comedy or together or they really don't like it together. Sure. Like it's either like one or the other. But I don't yeah. I do not mind a good horror comedy. Like some of my favorite horror movies do have comedic elements. Cabin in the Woods. Uh, Loved it. Uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Uh, Shaun of sure. the Dead. Uh, sure. So what is it that you feel that makes horror and comedy work? Because these are two vastly different genres. Horror is meant to shock and scare. Comedy is just meant to make you laugh. You know what? I would disagree with that, though. Yeah. I think that they may seem like they're very different things. Mm -hmm. But one thing that people don't really think about very often is horror and comedy both rely on the same thing to, to get the reaction, and that is the element of surprise. The reason that we laugh at a joke is because we didn't expect what that person was gonna say. And then when they say it, and it like triggers your brain to be like surprised and like, oh shit, that's something, a way I never thought of it, or that's what the joke is, and, and horror is the same way. It's all about surprise, um, and, and there's, and hitting somebody with a scare, whether it's a jump scare or more of like a slow burn, you know, whatever it is, to make somebody scared, both horror and comedy are all about timing. And so if you have if you have really good comedic timing, then probably you might be able to time scaring somebody the same way and, and vice versa. So I, I think that they're different in the sense of like obviously watching Wedding Crashers and watching Friday the 13th, they're gonna be very different experiences, but I do think that they share a lot in, a lot in common in terms of what it takes to make a good one. That's definitely fair. Um, sometimes I tend to just like compartmentalize and think of them as like two different things, but sure. I, it does like, you do have a good point that it's all just about the element of surprise and getting that reaction. Like for sure, like yeah. and so I think that's also why just some of my favorite um, horror movies do, like I said, have those comedic elements. So now let's get into Fear Inc. Now, yeah. how did you come up with this idea? So if I remember hearing correctly, I think it was based off of a short. Um, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was based on a short. Um, I, um, so we had been doing stuff with Funny or Die, and we knew we wanted to do a feature, and we had not really made anything that was horror, uh, and so we decided that we should make a short, uh, before we go make a feature, just so we can kind of, like, get the experience of making, uh, that genre, um, and we found out about this competition, in London, uh, by these guys, uh, whose organization is called Bloody Cuts, 
Um, and what's kind of wild is our short got top five, and the other short that got top five was Lights Out, which obviously got made into a much bigger movie. Um, but it was kind of wild that out of these like thousands of shorts that got submitted to this competition, two of the ones that were in the top five ended up as features. Um, but so we had found out about this competition and we were thinking about ideas and I had had a friend, um, my friend Vlad, who was obsessed with haunted houses. So he went to all the ones here like Blumhouse of Horrors and Universal Horror Nights and Not Scary Farm and he went to all these kind of really immersive haunted houses and this guy was perpetually disappointed. Um, and, and then he found out about this one called Blackout. And Blackout is basically in downtown LA. You pay a hundred bucks. You sign this waiver. You go through by yourself. They can they drag him through water. They put him in a coffin for thirty minutes. They do, like do all this stuff. And uh, and he basically said, "Do you want to go with me?" And I was like, "Nope, I'm totally good." Um, but I saw him at a bar a couple weeks later, and I asked him how Blackout was, and he basically said. Um, it was way better than the other ones, but for a hundred bucks, I wanted more. And I thought, this guy's fucking crazy. Um, but like, what I realized was this guy basically wanted to feel like he was gonna die and then just not die. Um, and uh, and so I kind of like at that point thought, like, what does this guy want? Like, would this guy would want a company that would basically make him feel like he's gonna die or that he's really in danger and start to question it? So I kind of pitched my partner on this this general idea and I said it's you know it's almost kind of like the game as a horror movie and it's like this company that this guy like a haunted house uh, that would give him a customized experience um, and so we did a short that was three minutes long um, and the parameters for the competition were that it had to be three minutes or less it had to be shot for under a thousand dollars and it had to really loosely um, revolve around the theme who's there um, and so the short is a, it's kind of it's still kind of a three act structure and it hits some of the beats of the feature it's it's different but it hits some of them and we made it and it did it did got top five and then it kind of went viral on on YouTube and all these comments um, just hundreds of comments were like this should be a movie this should be a movie I would pay to see this in theaters so we kind of knew like all right this is the one we should change it we should adapt this into a feature so that's kind of how the idea came about. And how did it go from being a three-minute short to being a feature film? So what was the jump from point A to point B? I mean, it was tough. You know, we I I adapted the script. It's pretty crazy when I look back at the timeline because the short came out um, in January of 2015. And by... February or March of 2015, we had the first draft of the feature script. Um, and then we did table reads and stuff and got notes and, and did a, a bunch of different drafts. And at that point, we thought, like, all right, well, let's make this. And we shot it. We, you know, we made that movie as independent as you could possibly make it. We took out credit cards. We borrowed money. We had friends invest. We had literally, it's as indie as it gets. Um, but I think one of the the key things that we did that I, I recommend anybody who wants to make movies do is we, we set a date. So we basically said, we're going to shoot this movie on, I think it was July 17th at the time, um, and one way or the other. If we raise all the money that we want, we're going to shoot this version of it. 
if we raise $20,000, we're going to rewrite it and we're going to film that version of it. But we like kind of set that like in July, we were going to film this movie and we, we started shooting on August 3rd. So we were like pretty close. Um, but like, I think that was really important was just to like set a date and say, this is happening. Oh, wow. That is really fast. Did you find like having to go really fast affected the quality of the film at all? Because I know some people, they work better like on a longer timeline. Others like work better under pressure. You know, it's not that short when that's all you're doing. If you're juggling a million different things and you're, you have seven projects going on at the same time, then that's, that's a short amount of time. But you know, to, to go from January to, to July, you know, flushing out a script and, and making it happen isn't that crazy when you're doing, that's all your brain is thinking about and all you're putting all of your time into. It's not that, you know, it didn't feel that crazy at all. Uh, makes sense. Definitely. I yeah. guess because it's your life was just pretty much that movie for like uh, months. And so it was released then, like after all the editing done, it was released in, I think, October of 2016. Yeah, we got we got lucky. It like you know a lot of agents really liked the script a lot, and so they were like happy to kind of pass it on to actors and stuff. And then we, um, you know, it got into Tribeca, which is one of the five kind of biggest film festivals there are. Um, and uh, yeah, just kind of like took off from there. So everything just kind of like fell into place and like right place, right time, and. Uh, yeah, that just, that just sounds like really cool. Just, uh, just like the whole, I'm always interested in the whole process just behind this, like how things work. So how did like the casting work for the film? Were you involved in that at all? I have to admit that I don't know much about like, you know, how that works. Yeah, no, I was the and, main like, one who did it. That was kind of like, my, even on our, on our current projects and stuff, I, I tend to like, uh, cast a lot of them and and kind of, I have pretty good relationships with like agents and stuff now and so basically yeah the way it works is the script gets sent to kind of the five or to ten biggest agencies in LA so you have like five to ten different like really big talent agencies and you basically say here's the script here's when we're shooting um here's some actors from this agency that we like a lot for the role that we would like to kind of meet with or, or have them read it. Um, and the agency kind of will read the script and then they'll decide, uh, if they like it or not. So if they like it, then they'll kind of send the script out to the actors that you want to send it to. And, um, hopefully, you know, you set up meetings, you offer people the role, you kind of hope it works out. It's, sometimes it's easier than it is. Then sometimes it's easier, sometimes it's hard. Um, but it kind of all comes down to like if people like the script, if they if they have their schedule has a break, if they're willing to do it for the money, it's just kind of a, you know, everything. And, um, how do you handle just also as a writer uh, people's reactions? Because I dabble like in writing myself, um, and sometimes like I find it really hard to take like especially the negative criticisms because it's just the fact that I'm so close to my work. So how do you handle like criticisms just when it comes to that both good and bad? Well, I think that for the first and foremost, no matter what you're writing, you have to write the thing that you want. Like at the end of the day, if you're proud of your writing and you're proud of the product or whatever the project, 
Um, that's what's important. Everybody is going to have an opinion. Everyone's, everybody is going to, has different tastes. You know, somebody might love, be a huge fan of your stuff and somebody, and somebody may think that it's total shit. You know what I mean? It's like, um, you know, I also, I was like, when I first moved to LA, I was an actor and, um, I think that like just how much you get rejected as an actor, you know, I think that it built like really thick skin. Like, um, so it's kind of like when I write something or I make something, I, I just go into it like, is this what I'm proud of and what I want to make? And I hope that people love it, but I also know that everyone's got different tastes and so people aren't, everyone, you know, I think that if everyone universally likes what you did, it's probably not that great because then it's, um, it's kind of vanilla. Like I think that it needs to be, have a voice enough that there should be some people that like really don't like it, you know? That's actually like very interesting. Like if everybody likes it, then just pretty much, hmm, like, okay, like, okay, well then really what's wrong with this thing? <laughs> All right, now. Let me ask you, okay, so hypothetical scenario. You, if you were going to hire Fear Inc. to give you the ultimate horror scenario, what would your ultimate horror scenario be? <laughs> oh, man, tough. Uh, I am really bad. Like I'm 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 um I'm good with like gore when it comes to like over the top stuff like somebody like a slasher film or somebody getting like their arms cut off or something i'm i'm okay with that i'm really bad when it comes to any sort of real like blood like medical type you know like i i get uncomfortable even like hearing someone's heartbeat like i'm really bad at like bodily horror so i think if they really wanted to like terrify me and make me like hate this whole thing it would be something like medical uh probably um, yeah, uh, that is, I, also, I mean, snakes, I don't like snakes. So, uh, medical and snakes, like maybe stick yeah. you in a abandoned <laughs> asylum full of snakes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, see, I would have to like think that if I was going to hire Fear Inc., it would have to be something to where you'd have to stick me out in the middle of nowhere and where like I would be isolated and no one else would be around and like I was being chased just like by a soccer or psycho killer and I was be screaming for help but no one would, would come. <laughs> <laughs> so because I have this like great fear just in horror just like I like isolation the idea of isolation and alone but then it also terrifies me at the same time. Okay. So you know what's interesting is um, we asked because the opening scene in Fear Inc we shot later on we were kind of waiting it's a whole story of how we got Abigail Breslin and like did that. It was um, yes, talk about that. Well, we um, it was written into the script, but then we decided not to film it when we were filming the rest of the movie, and we decided that we would have a better shot at getting a big name person to come out and do it if we had a rough cut of the movie that we could go to the agents and say, hey you can watch it to know that it's good. This is who we want for this versus just like sending them a script and saying, trust us, it's going to be good. So we shot the movie in, um, uh, August and we did not shoot that opening scene until the next winter. Um, because we wanted to get a rough cut of the movie and then we went back to kind of 
CAA and William Morris, these big agents, and said, hey, we've got this big scene, like, we want somebody for it. And so Abigail Breslin, like, really, we actually, we originally wanted um, Nev Campbell as, like, a screen throwback. Um, but she was, and her agent, like, really liked it, but she was filming um, House of Cards in D.C., and so then the same agent had repped Abigail Breslin and, and was like, How, you know, let me, she might like the script. So we sent it to her and she like loved it. So it was, it was great. So I bet you were like, yay. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I like that opening scene as well. It was a good uh, point to start out the movie with where she's just wow. running like through that parking garage. And just well, this guy's well, that, like, when we, we asked, <laughs> doing that, we asked, we surveyed, um, a bunch of women friends of ours and asked them, hey, like, what's just a, a scenario that you feel often, like, scared in that we could, like, kind of think about? And a lot, the majority, like, uh, m- uh, multiple people said being alone in a parking garage late at night, like them kind of walking to their car after a movie or something and they're being, like, empty and um, was a universally said thing. And so we were like, all right, that's, because it was originally going to be, um, like a couple camping and it was going to be her running through the woods being chased by a chainsaw guy. Um, and then everyone said parking garage and we were like, oh, I have, I've only seen that done a few different times and not in that way. So we are like, that's kind of an interesting thing is somebody, you know, leaving work for the day and being by themselves. So just the kind of like the, not like newness of that, but you said, you mentioned that you didn't see that um, done so much before in movies. That's what drew you to it rather than the whole like, hey, let's have the Texas Chainsaw Massacre guy like chasing yeah. for the forest. Exactly. Like, that would have been fun to shoot and probably would have been fun still, but like I've seen that a lot. I've never really seen somebody in a parking garage just feeling like uncomfortably in danger, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if I had been involved in that survey, that would have, like, maybe a little bit, like, uncomfortable, too, I would have said, like, because parking garages at night are creepy, especially if there's nobody around. Sure. So, yeah, you definitely hit the nail right on the head there as far as that goes. It was creepy, and then it's the whole thing, like, it was, it was just really funny when she was, like, trying to get that elevator down, like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. like, like, her reactions, and... That's because I was like, I, I would feel it that way too. If I was like trying to get that elevator, like, come on, come on, come on, come on, hurry up, hurry up, let's go, let's go. And then like hearing all that stuff like over the radio in the car. Uh-huh. Just, oh, jeez. Yeah, cool. I it kind of ties back in later. Yeah, it's, uh, it worked well. She did a really good job. Yes, she did. So it was so awesome that you were able, like, even though you weren't able to get Nev, you were still like, able to get oh, Abigail. Yeah. Like, Abigail, Abigail, I can't talk. Abigail did a really good job. Yeah, great. Yeah. All right. And uh, do you uh, have any other projects in the works that are horror-related? Yeah, we actually um, just produced a movie that um, that actually came out in theaters last week and actually comes out today on um, like VOD and iTunes and Amazon and all the kind of digital outlets. But this is not one that I wrote or, or my partner directed. We just, we produced it. Um, we have a company called Lone Suspect that basically, you know, we produce our own projects, but then we also really liked to try to champion other filmmakers, and if we can, if we see a project that we could kind of help them get off the ground and make happen for them, we kind of do that. And so this was a movie called Painkillers. Um, it's 
it's not as much straight up. It's not as much horror. It's it's kind of a drama that uses horror as kind of a metaphor for uh, loss and grieving. And um, it's interesting. The director is a woman named Roxy Shi, who's a very up and coming kind of Taiwanese American director. And um, you know, we love to try to support female filmmakers if we can. And this was just one that she kind of showed us what this movie could be because it's it's kind of a take on the vampire genre which we honestly weren't super excited about but then she kind of talked to us and we saw that it could be an, uh, an original version of it where it's treated more like a me- like a condition and a medical thing versus like the cliches so there's no kind of like you know what you've usually seen in vampire movies before. Um, but it's cool. It's a, it's a cool little movie. It's called painkillers. It's like, um, yeah, it's basically a guy who, who loses his son in a car crash and then develops this terrible pain. Um, and none of the doctors can kind of figure out what's going on with him. Um, and then he ends up cutting his hand, uh, and like, like putting it to his mouth and then all of a sudden like the pain goes away and he kind of like comes to the conclusion that like the taste of human blood basically like is the only thing that treats his medical condition. Um, yeah. And she did a really good job with it. It's not super scary. Like if you're a horror fan and you're going to go into it trying to expect saw or something, it's not, it's going to be disappointing. But, um, if you look at it like a drama that uses horror in it, it's, it's really cool. All right. So it's called painkillers. Painkillers, yeah. Painkillers, okay. I've got to write that down. Like, yeah. like, I've got this long list of like horror films and like the ones that you just like you described that I hardly have the time to watch. <laughs> yeah, um, so uh, every, everyone's busy. And then we we shot another movie this past summer called Anderson Falls, but it's it's kind of a crime thriller. Um, it's got some scary elements because it's a serial killer thing, but it's. Uh, it's more of a crime thriller, but we that has, that that's not out yet. That's just kind of in post production right now. And then um, weirdly, the next two things we're going to do are both comedies. So yeah, it'll be different. Ah, okay. So you're kind of like skirting around the whole like horror aspect for a little while. Yeah, no, no. It's just we just kind of do what what you know what projects we want to do and what 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 idea feels exciting at the time and. Uh, the one that I wrote just happened to be a comedy that we all really liked. And then the other one that we're doing, we're just producing and it's, uh, an actor who we're big fans of is directing it. And it's like a great opportunity, even though it's, uh, a a comedy. Yeah. But we're, we love horror. We're going to keep doing horror as well. All right. Good. And because uh, if you stop doing horror, then that would be like a great loss for the horror community. Oh, thank you, but no, we'll never stop doing horror. Okay, good. If you had the chance to like make another like horror, would it also have comedic elements in it as well? I think so, yeah. I okay. think that there's there's something, again, like I said with Scream, I think my favorite horror movies require a little bit of levity in between the scares because I think it makes it more of a ride. Um, so it might not be a horror comedy per se, but I think it would definitely have some elements of comedy in there. All right. Good, good, good. Well, I will be looking forward definitely to uh, the movies that you have like in 
like production or that you're writing or that's coming like down the pipe, even though they're not necessarily like horror. Uh, I'm still just like fear Inc has gotten me like interested in oh, your work. Thank you. So I am definitely, yeah. And I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye out on for whatever that you're going to have coming out. Oh, awesome. We really appreciate that. Yay. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. Because uh, like I said, I enjoy Fear Inc. and that's just kind of introduced me to the wonderful world of Luke Barnett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so I'm so glad one of your friends introduced you to the movie. Yeah, and that, that's a lot of just like where I get my podcast guests from. Actually, they're like because people are like, hey, have you heard of this? Like, no, I haven't really heard of this. And then I I watch it. Like, hey, I like this. And then yeah. I like I reach out and. And hopefully they accept. And I am so glad that you accepted to come on. Yeah, it's the, I mean, it's the best part of like making anything. Like you ask about how you handle like criticism or something. It's like, you know, uh, I'm not exaggerating when I say at least a dozen times a week um, I get some sort of notification or something of somebody who's finding fearing for the first time and like loves it. And, um, and that is like the best feeling in the world. Like, so like, you know, so to make something that two years later, I'll still see a, a tweet or an Instagram post of somebody just being like, Oh my God, have you seen this movie fear Inc? Like I loved it. That's like, that, you know, that's why you do this, you know? Yeah. At the end of the day, you do it for the people who love horror and then maybe try and draw those people in who are like maybe on the edge or kind of yeah. like, Oh, I don't know. And you're hoping to like draw those people in and turn them into rabid mega ultra fans. <laughs> All right, so I am going to now ask my community if that they have any questions like directed uh, towards you. But while we are waiting on those questions, uh, kind of talk about where we can find you on the World Wide Web, even though you said that you're not good with technology. <laughs> Uh, I'm at very active on Twitter and that's just, uh, at Luke Barnett. Um, you know, I'm, I'm on Instagram at I am Luke Barnett. Um, we have a, our company has a website. Our company is called Lone Suspect, L-O-N-E. Um, and that's just lonesuspect.com and people can kind of track the different projects that we're going to have going on and, and see some of our other projects and our funny or die stuff. So they can always kind of like follow along there. All right. Uh, someone has a comment, not a question. They mentioned that the pictures on your wall remind them of the images of the ballroom and the shining. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, that is, um, actually, I really like how this turned out. I, we, you know, every movie we've done, we've taken a cast photo at some point. And I was at a bar recently, uh, like an Irish pub, and they had all these great kind of black and white framed photos of old um, soccer teams. So like college soccer teams and stuff like that from the kind of early to mid 1900s. And I just thought it looked so cool. Um, I was like, I'm gonna take some of our cast crew photos that we take and do black and white and kind of like do it in that style. So it's kind of, uh, but I agree. It also very much looks like the Shining photos. Actually, speaking of the Shining, I just ordered a rug that is the design from the Shining's hotel rug. Uh, I can't wait for it to come. <laughs> yeah, 
that sounds really nice. I just recently got, uh, this is not Shiner related, but I recently got gifted a movie poster of John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, awesome. I love that movie. I do too. I could like go on for hours about it if you let me. Great. <laughs> yeah. And, yep, yep, Lance, that was you. Yep, you're the one that gifted that to me. Yep, yep, yep. So good. Now I just have to like find a nice frame to put it in because I don't want it to like be torn up with tape or anything like that. Mm -mm. This is a special poster. That's great. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Speaking of, I guess the thing you said it was a good movie. What do you like about it? I, you know, what do I like about it? I am a huge John Carpenter fan. Uh, in general, like if you. Um, yeah, like if I could, gosh, I'm, um, I think John Carpenter was just like such a revolutionary, both in horror and just the way that you make some of these like lower budget movies. And, and, and even just the fact that now everybody is basically using a John Carpenter soundtrack, you know, um, is like just kind of shows you what like this guy's done for the industry um the thing was also one of the first times i ever can like remember i'm trying to think of this one um fact about him that i saw recently anyway i'll find it um the thing was one of those movies that i did not see coming whatsoever with the route they were going to go with it and like i already i was like hooked from like the very beginning of that movie and so then when it kind of like became so terrifying I like just didn't expect it at all like I really liked the way that they like paced that movie and I think it was just genius I also just like John Carpenter if I could ever like if somebody were to say to me like hey this studio is a big fan of a movie that you did we want you to remake something if you could remake one movie I would remake um what's it called um they live Oh my God! Like if I, I I think they live is like the most underappreciated John Carpenter movie. I I love that movie. Me too. Just the idea of the aliens like implanting subliminal messages into us uh, to consume. So topical right now with all like with Trump and everything. I would love to remake They Live with like a little bit of a darker like Black Mirror like feeling to it um we still have all the comedy from it but like have it be a take on on trump and politics and i, I just think it'd be great that would be an interesting take i don't know if like you've seen um uh, some people do like a uh, fan art of they live but then like have the politicians like current politicians is like the aliens and i saw oh, this one it's so good yeah i saw one of like trump like as like one of the they live aliens and that was like Regardless of what, how you feel about him, it's, it was sure. a good piece of art. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert, I'm not as big as a fan. But let's talk about <laughs> But, yeah, it's, like, funny also that you mentioned politics, too. That kind of, like, leads me, like, I go off on tangents sometimes as well. Um, that horror, I once read a quote that said horror can be political. That it can comment on the issues of society do you tend to agree and do you like watching films horror films that have a societal commentary of that nature oh, yeah, absolutely i mean they live they live is the best example of it you know what i mean like i love uh you know uh, 
the way that we wanted Fearing to be a commentary on society's obsession with horror, I love movies that can like use horror as a way to talk about any sort of like social or government issue. Like I think that I think it's one of the best ways to use horror. I love it. People always, um, not always, but I get like every now and again, like on an episode where a guest will mention Get Out. I hear that move. I hear that mentioned a lot of times. Sure. So. Yeah, it's a great example of it. I can't wait for, I can't wait for both uh, us and the new Twilight Zone. It's gonna be great. I didn't even know that a new Twilight Zone was coming out until I saw the Super Bowl commercial yesterday. I can't wait. But now I have to decide whether I want CBS All Access or not. That's like another streaming service now that I would have to buy. Yeah. It's, t- it's tough. I don't need it by any means. But I I grew up like loving the Twilight Zone, and so the idea of Jordan Peele doing it is might might have to at least have subscribe for a couple months. Subscribe for a couple months, and then like when you're done, get rid of it. Exactly. I think they're they're also doing a ten episode ten episode. Um, I don't know if you'd call it a miniseries, but basically they're remaking The Stand. Stephen oh, King's yeah. The Stand. It, it, that's great, too. Um, I, I didn't get into Stephen King until very late in life. Um, you know, but I, you know, now I've kind of gone on like an obsession. Like I read The Shining last year. I read it. You know, it's like stuff I never read growing up. I I was a bit early with Stephen King. I read him like when I was 12. And then just, like, my mom would let me watch Tales from the Crypt when I was seven. Like, thanks, nice. Mom. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Mom. Like, but if it wasn't, like, for her, then I wouldn't, like, be interested okay. anymore, so. That's so, great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it was, it's so cool to, like, hear that we like a lot of the, like, a lot of, like, the same, like, styles, style of horror because totally. I still like get people who say that they have never seen the thing, and I'm just like, I'm judging you so severely right now. I'm like, <laughs> it, I think I think I think it's on it's on one of the streaming services right now because I or, or it was like two months ago because I rewatched it like two months ago because I saw it when I was scrolling. I don't remember if it was Hulu or uh, or, or Netflix, but. It was definitely on one of those. So anybody who hasn't seen it that's listening like needs to get on there and just watch it for free. Yeah, uh, but don't take his word for it because he said it was two months ago. It may not be there anymore. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so he may be getting your hopes up. <laughs> yeah, I have it on DVD, so I can watch it whenever I want. There you go. Exactly. Yeah, you have to like get it on DVD. <laughs> and then uh, speaking of, um, did you see the newer Halloween that came out um, last yeah. year? Uh- yeah, I liked it. Um, I think I didn't like it quite as much as other people did because it got like amazing reviews. I, I did enjoy it. Like I thought it was a really fun time at the movies, and I thought it was the most kind of true to the kind of originals in terms of like tone and, and just being what it was. But um, I also think I went. In, I saw it a little late, so it was like so hyped up by the time I went in. Like you know, by the time I went and saw it, everybody was telling me it was like. God's gift to horror. So I think by the time I saw it, I was kind of like, oh, it was good. I liked it. I liked it, you know, sort of feeling. Okay. So you went in there with like really high expectations? Yeah, exactly. Like I, I thought I was going to see like the greatest movie in the world and I was like, oh, it was good. I liked it. Yeah, like I thought it was good. I I enjoyed it, but it's just, 
Yeah, it got really like hyped up, but it was it's an example for me like when overhype doesn't really kill something for me. Yeah. It definitely hurt it for me. And I also that was one of those movies that I liked at the time and I was like, "Oh, I really like this," but the more I kind of like walked away, I had more issues with it like the next day and stuff, but I, I still I still enjoyed the movie. True, true. If you can walk away and just like enjoy it for what it was in the movies, done its job. Exactly. My only issue is that I think they're going to be making a sequel to that. And with the way that it ended, and I won't spoil it for people who haven't seen it, it's just like, why? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, you you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> totally. Well, I also think like, and this doesn't spoil too much either, but like the beginning... You know, the stuff with the podcasters, I felt like when I really thought about it, their entire storyline was just used to get the mask out of the thing. And it was kind of like you easily could have started that movie when the um, prison bus crashes and that could have been the beginning of the movie and you wouldn't have lost any kind of story elements. So it was literally just these kind of like two characters and 25 minutes that really were kind of pointless in that way. So um i had a lot of stuff like that that like when i walked into the theater i was like talking to my friend about and i was like oh that was that and that was that but that being said these are fun movies you're not they're not meant to be like so critically analyzed it's like do you did you enjoy yourself in the movie did you have a fun time probably you know i did right Right. yeah and you're gonna have like some issues like even with the movie like like that you like i thought the podcasters were a little bit weird too like because I'm like I'm a podcaster, like I do podcasts, and I wouldn't like ever like see myself doing anything like that. It's like I don't want to understand Michael Myers. I don't care to understand Michael Myers. He could just stay locked up. In yeah. Totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah, because he can just stay locked up there, and I would be fine. So yeah. But yeah, exactly. I do agree with you. It's just like a vehicle, just like get the mask, just like out, like look at this mask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh -huh. Yeah, starting it at with the prison bus crash, I think would have been a nice kind of like homage and throwback to the 78 one where they had all just like escaped from the prison and were exactly. just wandering around. And that could like be a nice cycle throwback to that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and then we wouldn't have... Name in the hat for writing the next one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, get on that. Uh -huh. <laughs> all right, let me see if I missed like any other comments. Oh, someone from my chat said, I've never heard of Fear, Inc., but I'll watch it when I buy it. There oh, you go. It is, um, if you have Hulu, I can save you the rental fee. It's free on Hulu right now for a couple more months, and I think in April or May it goes to Netflix. Uh, but yeah, or you can rent it on iTunes or Amazon, but thank you so much. So if you got Netflix or Hulu, or sorry, Hulu now and then Netflix later, that's where it, that's where it is. Yeah. Awesome. Or rent it on iTunes or Amazon or anywhere you can find movies. Yeah, you said like a commercial pitch there. Rent it on iTunes or Amazon. <laughs> I'm like a used car salesman for a two-year-old movie. Yes, and Fear Inc. Anywhere you can download digital things. <laughs> yeah, don't don't trust him because he doesn't know technology. But you can download it. <laughs> yeah, like, comment, and subscribe, and don't forget to ding our dog. <laughs> yeah, all that stuff. What is ding the dog? Uh, oh, ding the dong, I guess, like, clicking the bell on YouTube. Oh, right on. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, and subscribe. And um, we got someone else saying that they'll check it out, too. So, 
there we go. Helping, yeah. helping to get the word out there, even though the movie is still just like, uh, it's almost three years old. It's still, like you said, a very independent venture. Some people may not have heard of it. And well, about these kind of movies, though, it's like, you know, any of these movies that are, are independent, um, you know, they live and die 100% by word of mouth, like people yeah. telling their friends and somebody else. And a lot of times people just think like, um, well, it's no big deal. I can, I can, I can just download this one or steal it or whatever. And it's kind of like I, I get that for like a Marvel movie or some huge thing. But like, you know, when you when you rent a really independent film, like that really goes right back to the filmmakers for them to kind of keep making these things. And the truth is, if when we like something, we uh, in this world we don't, you know, support the filmmakers or spread the word. Then eventually, the only movies we're ever going to have are going to be superhero movies and remakes and um, sequels. Um, which, like, sure, all those things are fun, but like the way it's going right now, we're already losing a lot of these smaller movies in theaters. And if people keep doing the same thing they're doing right now, then eventually we're going to lose them getting made at all because the financier or somebody with money is not going to say. You know, they're going to look at it like, why would I make a movie like Fear Inc. if I could spend my money and go make a remake of this 80s one or something? So it's kind of like, you know, not, I mean, I appreciate people watching Fear Inc., of course, but in general, like, if you find a movie that you like and it's a smaller movie, like, I definitely recommend, you know, like telling your friends about it or posting on Facebook or, or whatnot and, and renting it because it does make these movies able to be made. Yeah. Support independent films and support independent horror films. Exactly. There's there's like my kind of like advertising spiel there. It's true. It's true. I'll do. Yeah, and you took like care of like my what was it my last question as to where like where we could find Fear Inc. and you already kind of answered that for me. Yeah. So I uh, thank you so much for for yeah. out. It's really helpful. Yeah, and I feel like this is a good, definitely a good place to end. So, once again, Luke, thank you for taking an hour out of your evening to come on and talk with me about horror, about your movie, about, um, and fangirling with me about uh -huh. horror as well. I greatly, appreci greatly appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, and thanks to everybody for, for listening to me ramble for an hour. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, and any final words? No, I think I think I said it. So, yeah, support independent film. Tell your friends about stuff, and uh, and let's just keep this going so we can have more horror podcasts uh, in general. Yes. So if there's ever any future um, horror projects uh, coming down the line, I will. Uh, we could definitely like stay in touch, and I can have you on again. Awesome. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome, and you have a good rest of your evening. Yeah, you too. Have a good night. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Once again, thank you so much to Luke for coming on Terrific Talk tonight and talking about Fear, Inc. and talking about his love of horror and comedy. You will be able to hear this podcast on anchor.fm slash Terrific Talk once it is uploaded You'll be able to see the VOD once it is uploaded as well on youtube.com slash brandykins. And if you would like to become a patron of this podcast, please go to patreon.com slash brandykins where you can find all sorts of cool perks and tiers for support. So until next time, stay terrific, everybody. I love you.
and bye bye